What do you think this is about? You think this is a fucking podcast? This is the way of life. On this week's episode, we're reviewing Return of the Living Dead with Big Italian Bob from No Redeeming Qualities. Stay tuned until the end of the episode for a special track from Ill Fortune. They're back from the grave and ready to party, and this is Slashers, a podcast about movies and more for those who love horror. My name is Jake, and with me for the first butt-fucking time ever is my esteemed colleague, co-host, <laughs> and cohort, Bob. Bob, say hello to the mutant goons from beyond. Oh shit, I'm officially a co-host now? Is that how this works? Until you screw it up. And so I have a stellar amount of confidence in you that you will lose this job by the end of the hour. But don't, no pressure on yourself. Don't worry uh, about it. You know what? I can handle that. That's fine. I've lost jobs quicker. So I am Bob. I am from the No Redeeming Qualities podcast. You know, on all those places where you can find podcasts like iTunes and such. It's How almost like if you put in No Redeeming Qualities podcast into the Google machine, you would find your podcast, right? That's how you do it. If you're looking for laughs, there's where you go. Don't you feel like fucking furious where you're like, hey, you can check out my podcast. And people are like, oh, how? I'm like, well, I told you the name. Here's oh the logo. God. How much harder could it be? Like, literally, I have to teach you how to. Do you ever use let me Google that for you dot com? I've done that before. Yes. Oh, my God. I love dumb people. Like, but I always feel like a smug prick, so I just don't. like. I've drawn it up before and not sent it out. Oh, you got to take that extra step. People weenify themselves, and then they back down, and they always like like your comment or whatever because they're like trying to own it. But it's like, no, you suck, and I'm letting yeah. you know you suck. Yeah, I know, but it's like my family. What am I going to do? <laughs> they but, have to like you. But it's like, look, you're not going to listen to a podcast for the very first time. Yeah. Right now. So if I'm going to teach you, this isn't going to work. Like, so just figure it out. <laughs> I can't believe I'm having to explain how to do it. Yeah. It is. It's 2020. Like, yeah. And you're listening to a podcast right now. So, which is awesome. Yeah, I hope you're enjoying it. Oh, yeah. I I'm quite enjoying the process, I gotta say. It's been fun. You actually picked one of my all-time favorite movies. In fact, my favorite yeah. Yeah. Uh, zombie film, separate and apart. So, I can't say my favorite. I say it out loud, and it I choke on it in my mouth, because Dead Alive is probably tied with this for my favorite, but those are for entirely different reasons. Dead oh. Alive is like, uh, I can't even get into it. These are both such good movies, for, like I said, for wholly different reasons. Like This movie is more the time capsule movie to me where i'm like wow the 80s poor k and then when it comes to dead <laughs> alive i'm like holy shit how did everything happen you know what i mean dude both of those i can't believe you just said that absolutely and they both have these weird special memories for me but yes absolutely they're ugh, they're so fucking good this is my favorite zombie film for sure and i know a lot of people want to throw like Shaun of the dead out there and i love Shaun of the yeah. dead don't get me wrong but you know if i want a romantic comedy with zombies i'm just gonna watch dead alive because <laughs> it's got a romantic subplot right <laughs> i guess yeah sure it's got enough to get by. Also, <laughs> I have a pitch for your show going back to No oh, Redeeming yeah. Qualities. I would like to do how you say theme song for you. And basically oh. what I'm going to do is I'm going to put on an Eddie Money song and I'll karaoke it badly. And I'll sing, I've got two testes to paradise. Because I feel like that just fits <laughs> your your vibe. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> what? 
two testes to paradise. I'm 32 years old. I just thought of that today. And I put it in my notes because I don't want to forget about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I'm glad. I'm glad you wrote it down. So am I. I very rarely do. Like I'm the I'm the quintessential guy who's always like, man, I should really carry a journal with me, like some kind of an artist, and I, I'll write that down, and I never do. And I have a phone that literally has notes, and I never use it. So the fact that I did this was honestly this expresses some personal growth, dog. Actually, that's literally how we have to do the show. That's how it works. And like, I kind of have to explain it sometimes. Well, I don't have to, but I do explain. It's almost like writing a brand new stand-up set every week. Oh, yeah. Like, it's all week long. I'm just driving or doing work and going, fuck, got to write that down and then bring it up on the show the next week. And so I keep a running notepad on my phone and I've gone through... Oh, I think I'm on notebook four where it just gets so long that I get tired of scrolling down every week that I'm like, fuck it. And then move on to the next one. There you go. And you guys are on an episode. I think by the time this comes out, you guys will have done 150. So congratulations. That's a huge milestone. Thank you so much. We were going to have a weird big old party like we did for the last one, except now we're in the middle of a global viral pandemic. So did you expect that to happen in your lifetime? Because I didn't. No, it's funny because if you look at all like this medical literature and there's like documentaries and shit that have come out on Netflix, like in September, people were like, oh, yeah, there's a real like global threat for a respiratory virus that we're terribly unprepared for. Then a couple months later, you hear the knock at the door and it's a bat coughing in your mouth. And you're like, God damn it. <laughs> oh, dude, I deal with bats for a living. Oh, actually. shit. Yeah. Oh, I love them. They're the fucking shit. They're the coolest thing ever. I'm a big fan. I got to say, not just because of Batman. Yeah, I know. <laughs> They're awesome. And part of it is because, yeah, they carry rabies. So yeah. uh, and a lot of weird diseases, but they're super cool. That's why I'm a possum guy, because possums are like virtually immune to rabies. Like I have a tattoo of a possum and I'm a big fan. Literally, if I'm having a bad day, my wife has multiple times told me to watch the possum video, which is a <laughs> video. No shit. I have it saved on my YouTube where it's just a possum eating a strawberry. Oh, that's adorable. Possums are uh, one of my absolute favorite animals, and I also deal with them. And uh, do you know how you deal with a possum? Grab it by its tail and hold it up. Yep. You just walk up and go, hey, get the fuck over here. You're mine now. (laughs) But I mean, imagine this. Like literally almost entirely immune to rabies. Pretty dope. Then you take in the fact that they have a forked dick and an opposable thumb. How is this not our national creature? Like, God damn it. I think about that all the time because they're only native to America. Right? And fuck, the bald eagle is a pansy. Look at the way that it fights and eats. It's not a good look. It's basically a bully (laughs) bird. That's your Trump's America. If you want the the real grit of America, the Woody Guthrie listening Magna Carta season, it's all about the possum. Yeah, I will pick up a possum and throw it at somebody. It would be great. Dude, Ooh. I'm so into that. Just like hop it up on some PCP and be like, hey, zombie. Ah. Wah. Ah. Yeah. So, yeah, no, if you want the spirit of NRQ, it is a trash filled monster. And uh, that is a possum. So, yeah, that's, that's awesome. awesome. Shall yeah. we get into some trivia for this movie? 
Most certainly. Yeah. I watched the motherfucking the DVD with the goddamn commentary. Yeah. This is like only the third fucking movie I've watched with commentary in my life. And, it, and this is the first one in a long time. But also because I've watched this movie so many times that I was like, fuck it. I'll watch the commentary too. Why not? So, Dan yeah. O'Bannon fucking rules, right? Like he yeah. a weird or he was a weird dude, but Jesus Christ. Is he dead now? Yeah. Ah shit! Yeah, no, he's a weird dude in the in the commentary. I watched the featurette also, and he is a weird guy. Yeah. He had, like he had a really shitty life. If I'm not mistaken, he had like Crohn's disease that was undiagnosed until he was like in like late stages of life, and then so oh, basically. Oh. Imagine like shitting liquid and having people steal your ideas for your entire professional career. Like, kind of sucks. Oh god, I know people who have Crohn's disease and their life is horrible. No, like while wow, they know they have it. Yeah. So god (laughs) so the film it's pretty interesting there's obviously there's night of the living dead right and then you have george a romero and john russo there's the split right russo retains the rights to living dead romero is free to do of the dead right so and all of the sequels officially within that timeline thus dawn day land Mm-hmm. Squeakle of the dead, whichever, <laughs> right? And so this movie originally it was written, it gets put out, and basically they try and sell it, and nobody goes for it. So then they turn it into a novelization, and then it goes to Dan O'Bannon to direct, and he's like, "I'll only do this if I can rewrite it." And basically he throws it all away and just uses the name "Return <laughs> of the Living Dead." But the book starts off at the funeral of a child who died of rheumatic fever, like. I cannot stress this enough. Not the same thing, but also well worth enjoying. <laughs> Wait, have you read it? Yes, of course. I do everything. It never makes sense for me to do the amount of work I do for this show. And I never sound smart enough. And I'm always worried about that. And I, it, yeah, the amount of thing like I could fill five books by this length in our career based on the amount of notes I've taken that I never get out on the show because I'm too busy saying butt fucking every other word. <laughs> Where did you get a copy of the book? Online. Fuck. Man, I read the script for the thing, by the way. (laughs) Weird ending. Yeah. super super bizarre you have some very interesting things when you like so i use an account it's this is a free plug for them it's scribed or scribed i'm assuming it's scribed s-c-r-i-b-d and it's basically like audible but you get books and audiobooks and everything and it's a flat fee which i'm all about flat fees don't nickel and dime me and so oftentimes i'll like look up the name of a movie we're gonna do and i'm like holy shit it's on page 734 of an almanac of movie trivia so i could find out blah interesting yeah so Uh they have a surprising amount of film scripts and so i found a few where i'm like hey that's different (laughs) yeah no that's a fucking bizarre script i love that script anyway uh back to business (laughs) yeah have you heard of revenge of the living dead which is actually a comic book that came out that's based on a 1985 treatment of the book by actor don kalfa and it's a quote unofficial continuation written by gary smart no i have not that swarthy bastard yeah it's not bad the art is not my style though this it's like that weird in between art style where it's like it's a little dated and it's a little like not modern enough where you're just kind of like i get it this was on a shoestring budget but it's just it's fine which i mean for me from a guy who holds this movie as highly as i do for this to just be fine is probably like you know your average person's like eight (laughs) or nine but for me i'm like meh 
Yeah, I'm so particular about my art when it comes to the comic books. Like, if I don't like the art, I'll just toss it away. Like, yeah. I can't. But, yeah. Well, I've talked about it many a time. Like, I've never read Preacher, and people have always been like, oh my God, you got to read Preacher. I'm going to put this Preacher's dick in my mouth. And I'm like, no, Steve Dillon is the worst artist ever. Like, I would rather look at art drawn by the human embodiment of a swastika than Steve Dillon because his art is that terrible. I cannot compromise <laughs> on this fact. <laughs> All right. Works for me. Yeah. Also, weird thing, Don Calfa, that is not his hair color at all. Yeah, right? He's a swarthy motherfucker. He looks like me. Like, <laughs> he, he looks like a Mediterranean Greek motherfucker. So, Olive-skinned, beautiful bastard. <laughs> and he had a mustache. Did you hear about this? He walks into the audition with a big, thick juicy mustache and dan <laughs> o'bannon looks at him he goes you know i just didn't see the character having a mustache and tell Calvin goes it's gone oh it's gone and <laughs> you mean you'll pay me fuck yeah i'll shave apparently he'd been cultivating this juicy great mustache for years oh, he's like man. oh it's gone baby it's gone <laughs> Everybody has to know they have a price tag. It it drives me crazy when people want to act like they're, like they're too holier than thou. And it's like, oh, there's no no way I would ever compromise on this. I'm like, bitch, you compromise every fucking day. You go to Starbucks and you work your nine to five shitty job. Don't act like if somebody was like, hey, if you shaved a dick into the side of your head for 50 grand, of course you would do it. You'd be stupid sure. not to. I am sure. a very prideful person. But if you wanted to smear your dick on my face for 10 grand, yeah, I'm going to let you. Sorry. Yeah, probably. Uh-huh. Even if it's not tax free, like honestly, that's still <laughs> good money. <laughs> Have you seen No Holds Bar? Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. <laughs> tax free. Oh God damn it! That movie with the tie-in with Zeus and oh goodness. So one fun thing, I had previously been a guest on another podcast and done uh, Chud to Bud the Chud. That movie is fucking terrible. Did you know it was almost a Return of the Living Dead sequel that was too fucking bad and they changed it to be a Chud sequel because they couldn't put it in the continuity? God, I love when a movie is so bad they have to just change the fucking title. Oh, yeah. Throw it away. Literally, no. it's like two reshoots that make it a quote unquote Chud movie. Mm, God. Okay, cool. And then when you look at the Return of the Living Dead sequels, you're like, hold on. Return of the Living Dead Part 2 is that fucking terrible. And it's like that shows you how fucking terrible Bud the Chud is. It's so bad, dude. It is irredeemably bad. I hate that child. I want him to die. And three is so good, surprisingly. Pierce titties on a zombie with spikes. Who could ask for anything more? And that inspired so many hot goth bitches. Oh, yeah. And like comics like Witchblade and shit like that. If I may, there is one redeeming quality. I know you're all about no redeeming qualities, but there's one redeeming quality of Return of the Living Dead Part 2. And it's the fact that when Joey's girlfriend punches the zombie in the head and it like crushes and green oozes out of every pore of its face as its head like implodes. That's That's pretty decent. Yeah, I'm in. I am mad at that. And also, I mean, you do get the return of tom watkins and stuff so it's like eh, i'm okay with it or so you get the return of tom matthews yeah yeah yeah. fair enough yeah so the last one thing i want to talk about so in, according to the complete history of the return of the living dead 1989 creator matt groney came up with the they're hungry and they're not vegetarians tagline after he'd originally made one that said first they meet you then they eat you 
The fun thing is that was later used in Blood Diner, which is the patron saint of our fucking show. Wait, who's your patron saint? The movie Blood Diner. It, it has its own personification now, and it's anthropomorphic, and it tells me how to live my life. I have a WWBDD bracelet. I like it. So shall we get into the statistics for this episode? We most certainly shall. Okay. The film was shot on a whopping budget of $4 million and grossed $14.2 million, a moderate success. It always blows my mind hearing like the box office numbers from just even in the 80s or even the 90s. Right. Uh, just like, that's so little money compared to how much they make now. Like, right. what the fuck? And what's amazing to me, like, so I was recently watching True Lies, and at the time it was the most expensive movie of all time. And I was like, eh, it's not that much nowadays. I mean, fuck, you can make like two, you know, you can't even make half an Avengers film for that. Don't even talk about the Avengers. <laughs> so the film came out August 16th, 1985. Do you know what else came out in that same month ish period? No, what? No, okay. I want to know. August 2nd, Fright Night. Oh, fuck. August 2nd, Weird Science. August 7th, Real Genius. August 9th, Pee-wee's Big Adventure. August 16th, Return of the Living Dead. And then you go to August 23rd, Teen Wolf. This is in very competitive, like, adult humor, voodoo kind of fringe comedies. Fucking Pee-wee's Big Adventure came out that year? Yeah, no, it came out the week before. Yeah, exactly. It came out the week before. Exactly. And then you also had Better Off Dead, where John Cusack talks to a sandwich. So, I mean, how high are your fucking standards here? (laughs) Hey, baby. Sandwiches rock. And then a little over a month later, you had Commando, where you have Arnold Schwarzenegger blowing up a fucking building with one Claymore mind. And then a couple weeks later, you had Reanimator. Like, this year fucking rules. God, Commando is so shitty on a rewatch. Like, it is. It really is. I tried rewatching it because he's obviously kind of like the avatar of Contra along with John Rambo. And oh. wow, Rambo, every every single Rambo film, even Rambo 3, which is dedicated to the brave people of Afghanistan, <laughs> is a better movie on rewatch than that. Dude, Commando, it's just it's because it was so early in his career. That's what it is. Yeah. Like it's, it's just so early in his career that it just wasn't of enough of a budget of a film. That's exactly. all. Let off some steam, Bennett. (laughs) One thing I will say, if you are having too big of a rock hard boner in going through this year, don't worry, because A Nightmare on Elm Street 2, Freddy's Revenge came out, and that will soften you up so you can get right hard again the next week for Once Bitten, which that's you see what I mean? There's a lot of these like kind of cheeky fucking, you know, PG-13 plus movies. Why can't we have that sort of genre fucking film? production anymore it very much wounds me that we don't and you know when johnny depp does dark shadows and that's supposed to like satisfy me as a horror guy who likes comedy i'm like no 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 i want to bomb it i want to bomb it (laughs) (laughs) film was directed by dan o'bannon yeah baby as we aforementioned there was a novelization that was done by rudy ricci john russo and russell steiner uh, so when o'bannon came on he obviously rewrote the script so dan o'bannon if you don't know dan he's basically the guy who allegedly john carpenter ripped off to like have a career because they both worked together on a film called dark star dark star which is awesome and so o'bannon goes off and does alien which is super tits he ends up getting ousted from the project because he's kind of crazy like we mentioned but whatever did he write alien 
so he gets the story credit, and then I think it's Ron Shusett who actually got the quote unquote writing credit. Yeah, he does have the writing credit, so he did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And apparently Ridley Scott looked <laughs> looked at the uh no no no, it was George Lucas. Apparently, so Dan O'Bannon worked a little with uh Star Wars. Correct. And based on his Lucas, work on Dark Star. Again, like one of these things where yes. it's like this one thing he did at USC film school defined his life. Yeah, and apparently Lucas looked at uh, Darkstar and he was like, well, you see, that beach ball, that beach ball just looks like shit. I could <laughs> do better than that beach ball. And he's like, well, that's what I fucking did, George. What do you, why, why are you too late now? Yeah, what do you want from me? Why are you talking shit to my face? And what's crazy is so many people love the Darkstar beach ball. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was produced by a bunch of people who nobody fucking knows. It Music was by Matt Clifford and Francis Haynes. Now here is some musical trivia just for you, my friend. You were originally, if I'm not mistaken, on this very eve, supposed to be seeing Blitzkid in concert. Am I right? Oh, that was last week when we were planning to do it. But yes, correct. That's what was supposed to be happening. Exactly what I said. It was supposed to be this very eve. You were going to <laughs> well, musical trivia. So Jason Heveran. Of Blitzkid, who you yeah. might know as J Squiggly Line Sin Trioxin, got mm. his fucking name from this fucking movie. I saw that shit. So that's basically it. Then <laughs> I don't really have anything else. Like the music is good, but you know it's it, okay. not so, standout. Okay, no, this. Oh wait, for this film. It's good. It's not like anything that's going to change my... Like, okay, I'm talking about the original musical score, not the songs that are in it. Okay, I was like, shut the fuck up! This movie's got a crazy soundtrack that like stands out just because it was one of the first movies that had some of this ridiculous punk music that they pulled out of the asshole of the fucking 80s scene. Like, 45 Grave? Fucking horror punk, son! Are you kidding me? I'm all about it. Yeah! Ma! <laughs> fucking party time! You have TSOL on it, The Damned. I mean, yeah. there's some pretty legit shit on there if you don't know. Yeah, dude. No, 45 Grave, that's legit horror punk right there. That's one of the fucking mainstays of horror punk. And so the cramps. I mean, Jesus Christ. Like, yeah, baby. I feel like there was a, a point in my life where the cramps logo and the fiend skull or the crimson ghost, whichever you want to call it, were like neck and neck and then hot topic happened and it was like, puso. <laughs> The makeup was done by, well, I really want to talk about Tony Gardner because I have a theory and I yes. want to run it by you. So Gardner's basically, he's been viewed as solely responsible for the half zombie, right? This dude went on to be, dude, he did Zombieland and Hocus Pocus. He was actually physically in the Thriller music video. But I wanted to ask you, have you seen Hellboy from 2004? Oh, hell yeah. I was a huge Hellboy fucking nerd right before that. I was like 12 years old. So the half corpse that he hoists onto his back and carries with him that's talking shit to him do you uh -huh. think that's an, a bit of homage oh you motherfucker because the uh, way that its mouth even articulates and stuff it's very similar and this zombie basically comes back in the sequels in visual form and it's in the walking dead as well but i feel like that one i don't know I, as soon as i saw that in hellboy i was like oh shit i know what this is but then i looked and i wholly expected tony gardner to have done anything on that never touched that film oh man it most certainly could have i never even a million years would have pieced that together until you just said it that's actually from specifically from a uh, short story called oh god the corpse i think 
Anyway, here, weird thing. So uh, Gardner was working with Rick Baker studio at the time and they poached him. Uh, Will Stout, the guy who was the production designer goes, Gardner, we, I just, I need you for like one fucking week. Just come here. And so Rick Baker lets him come over and he goes, we forgot about this fucking scene. We just need you to do something. <laughs> he does it in three days. Holy shit. Yeah. It's, he goes, fine. He goes, he made that whole effect that like the, the half corpse in three days. And so Tony Gardner is working the head and the arms underneath the gurney and Bill Stout is working the spine and the spinal fluid at Holy the same shit. time. Yeah. So that's that's what I know about the fucking corpse. So, Dude, that is absolutely awesome. Yeah, boy. And so that's how he got to do all that shit after that. So yeah, that one piece of effect work got him so much work after that. So often you hear those stories of like something that's just kind of slapped together and then just works. I mean, I, I was listening to something recently where we were, they were talking about a guy who wrote a song and then he's like lived off the royalties. The Knack's lead guitarist Burton Aver and lead singer Doug Figer wrote the 1979 mega hit My Sharona in 15 ah. minutes and then lived off that for the rest of their lives. And you're like, <laughs> how did that fucking how is that allowed to happen where you can just make this shit work? And it does. I don't know, baby. But Tony Gardner did good work after that. Though. Yeah, That's he definitely had a very average, like a consistent <laughs> batting average. It wasn't just like a one hit wonder by any rest of me. That just helped him get a career. He didn't just do nothing. For sure. Work. He didn't sit there with his thumb up his ass being like, oh, I wonder how I did that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, give me some more stab statistics. So then basically that's it. We want to get into nicknames? Oh, okay. Wait. So I do want to talk about some of the weird shit. Like this is the first movie to establish the idea of zombies eating brains specifically. And they give you a mode and method for the madness. The idea being that it's going to stop temporarily the pain of rotting. Yes. Like, I don't, know, I don't even know any other movies that talk about zombies eating brains after this. Yeah, but basically everything is brains. Uh, you see it on. I mean, even yeah. my hat for this movie on the underside of the bill has brains written on it. Like it's, it's synonymous. We all know as just an archetypal concept, zombies eat brains, right? Like that's exactly. we all know it. And it comes from this fucking movie. But I can't think. Can you think of another movie that even mentions it? Specific, like, hmm. No, because a lot of it's just flesh. No, I can't think of it at all. So there's that. Hell yeah. This is also apparently the first movie to have fast moving zombies. Ooh, okay. I actually think that is true and correct. It is. It's on the Wikipedia. So eat shit. <laughs> there are because there are instances where there are undead or reanimated individuals who might have run faster. But the fact is, is that these are specifically zombies. You know, Bannon talks about it. he said that the producers fought him so hard. He wanted them to be these shambling, you know, stumbling, lumbering zombies. Oh, yeah. He's like, oh, I want them to be running because it's an actual threat. And they fought him tooth and nail. And he said, no, I will not have it. And so he had these the very first to have running zombies or fast moving zombies. So. 
and it yeah. works super well. Like it, it's very because it still keeps its cheekiness. It's not twenty eight days later, fast zombies, and it's not fucking World War Z zombies. Oh Jesus, yeah, that's. I got tired just watching those things move around. Like <laughs> fuck that noise. Which of all fucking things you've ever read, Max? Uh, fucking Brooks. Yeah, Max Brooks's Zombie Survival Guide or World War Z. Yeah, he's very specifically has slow moving zombies. Yeah, and so here's some talking about like the the concept of zombism in the context of this movie. Who's the only character in the film who uses the word zombie? Oh shit! It's fun because it's only used in reference to Night of the Living Dead and not to anything that happens. You son of a bitch! So it's it's Tom Matthews as Freddy. He specifically talks about zombies when Frank is telling him about Night of the Living Dead, and he says like zombies trying to take over the world. That's the direct quote because it came to mind when you have Spider throughout the whole rest of the fucking movie. Miguel A. Nunez he always yeah. says corpses, and I'm like, it just sounds so obtuse. Like it sounds even weirder. Yeah. Like in Night of the Living Dead, they don't call them zombies; they call them ghouls. And so I, I can treat those things as like synonymous. Like a ghoul and a zombie to me are the same thing. But corpse, I was like, ugh, that just sounds weird. Yeah, yeah. Oh, zombie is technically like a voodoo term, right? Like, Isn't that weird? Yeah. Also, this was the first to not. Or I guess I don't know. The established that killing or destroying the brain does not kill the fucking zombie i love it so much i know like think about how terrifying it is and also there's a serious like moral implication the idea of like what it is that's making them alive is it trioxin or is it something else because here's an interesting argument when they are incinerated in the crematorium are they dead or are their ashes still sentient god like they're fucking atoms <laughs> right because if the brain is destroyed it's still animated tissue the arms are still animated so even on a cellular level is there like a certain degree of life and talking, is there consciousness they're talking and thinking and rotting and horrible like in pain and god that pickaxe going through the oh. skull and brain of that zombie and into the fucking concrete is that just not the most intense and satisfying and just ridiculous the pickaxe is a metaphor for my erection <laughs> these butt fucking zombies <laughs> You had Clue Gulliger as Burt Wilson. Last fucking minute choice. He was not at all in the running. And then they just kind of bring him. And he's delightful. He did not predominantly do horror until very late in his career. But because he has these like whimsical eyebrows and silly expressions, like basically that's how he gets his work. And he does a killer job as Burt. Like he's really good at being like he always has his own interests at heart, no matter what's happening. And he it articulates with every single word and gesture he does. What a weird name, Clue. Um, <laughs> but yeah, absolutely, 100%. Now, have you heard about any of the trouble with him on set? Um, no. Okay. So, <laughs> the stuff that I knew about for sure was that apparently he was <laughs> reckless and violent whenever it came to the pipe wrench that he had, like oh, the lead shit. pipe. To the point that they had to take it away from him and replace it with a plastic one. And he got upset because they kept on doing it. And he kept on asking the prop department, he's like, where's my goddamn pipe? <laughs> he's like, I don't know. We just kept losing it. Here's oh the my rubber God. One. But Dan O'Bannon specifically multiple times refers to like <laughs> punching him out in between takes, like punching Dan O'Bannon out. Like, and he's like, but 
you know, it was just worth it in the end because it just gave such a good performance. Wow. I don't know why, though. He doesn't explain it. He just says like Luke Gallagher punched him out in between takes multiple times. That's insanity. I because I had I knew that he went into the film thinking it was straight. Like very famously, he talked about like when he showed up on set, he's like, nobody talked to me about the scenes we were doing. I guess they were just afraid of me. Like he clearly had like a very big ego about himself and basically was like, nobody told me this was supposed to be funny at all, which just shows like the degree of character acting and overacting he did, which is kind of bizarre. But I didn't know he was that violent sociopath. It makes me wonder if he was like Robert Shaw drunk on Jaws. Like, <laughs> I have no idea. So, And I, I did know that he had said that Dan O'Bannon, I think it was he didn't know his own ass in, in terms of like <laughs> how they were doing it. So it definitely makes sense that it would rise to that level. As far as <laughs> nicknames go, I, I was just going to call him eyebrows because those <sighs> things, I mean, he's like a goddamn owl with those things. Oh, yeah. I just called Spider Squiggles the whole time. Oh, it's perfect. Uh, because, because of his Jerry Curls, who, by the way, is Puerto Rican. He is not a black man, but Dan O'Bannon decided to just go with it and call him a black man. Yep. Uh, and Mr. Mendez was for, totally fine with it. That's his last name, right? Nunez. Nunez. Sorry. Yeah. Mr. Nunez was totally fine with it and rolls with it in Friday the 13th part, whatever the fuck. Part five. So, he plays demon. And I was going to call him enchiladas because he is the guy who you remember. Ooh, those damn enchiladas. <laughs> Did you know that this dude was fucking homeless when he got cast in this film? No. Talk about a life changer, right? Oh, man. Also, that is a weave. He has short hair. <laughs> oh, he's a fake and a fraud. He's a lying bastard. Can we talk about D Don Kalfa? I know you have notes on him being a yes. secret Nazi. I have notes on him being a secret Nazi. Not the Let's actor. Let's talk about the Nazi. Yeah, not Don himself, but rather the no, character Ernie no. Kaltenbrunner. Yes. Okay. So you go for it. So he was in Weekend at Bernie's, which is fucking awesome to be in a movie like that. And then a movie like this. A little fun. A little fun. <laughs> Reanimating the dead in different ways. But he actually <laughs> wanted to be Colonel Peck in Return of the Living Dead 3. But then he couldn't. And he wanted to be Doc Mandel in Return of the Living Dead 2. But then he didn't get cast. So, you know, Return of the Living Dead 2 was fine for Tom Matthews and for Frank Karen to come back, but not for Don Calfa because reasons. And then basically <laughs> he's just a Nazi. And Dan O'Bannon <laughs> completely says in the in, like commentary, yes, he was supposed to be escaped Nazi. Like that is awesome in the sense that like it's uh, like my whole life i was like this is very specific but he th there's no like payoff to it and for him to say that i was like oh fuck it makes perfect sense yes yes and like it took me like i watched it like okay i watched this movie for the first time when i was like 13 years old because perfect of, age like, all right i know i was in a uh houston has or had this incredibly large halloween store that was run by what used to be a theater company family called oh. frankel and th every halloween that sort of they would just blow the place up and there was a life-size statue of the tar man that they were oh. selling for like thirteen hundred dollars so rad and yeah. And so I was blown the fuck away and my dad explained to me what it was and what it was from. And so I was like, well, I now have to see this. And so 
years later, I started noticing the Luger and everything else and just pieced it together before the internet was even that easily searchable. And the fact and he's listening to the song Panzer Rollen in Afrika Vor. That's what kind of tipped me off after I realized he was yeah. German music. And so I was just like, holy shit. Yeah, he's a Nazi. And there's Ava Braun on the wall. Right? Yes. And he refers to the rain as Ein Bittrocket Soldat, which is a drunk soldier falling down, which I was like, huh, in German. What are some German soldiers I might be familiar with of that era? Oh, Oh, man. There's something else. Apparently, there's a picture of Nixon and Spiral Agnew in, like, the basement or something oh, like that. Oh, I don't that. know. I've noticed that one. That's pretty rad. Yeah. I was just like, wait, why? Why was that a weird little Easter egg you decided to put in there? That's something O'Bannon talked about. Okay. It was weird. I was recently watching a documentary on the reanimator, and Stuart Gordon had a shirt, and it said Adolf Hitler World Tour. And basically, <laughs> on the back, it had all of the places that the Nazis had conquested in the year by it. And I was like, oh, that's, oh, you know. <laughs> <laughs> the 80s were different <laughs> um oh freddy's jacket freddy's jacket on the oh back yeah says fuck you right or does it <laughs> <laughs> television version that's a pretty great rib right <laughs> i didn't know that i didn't know that until i was watching the fucking commentary yeah and actually if you watch so years and years ago wasn't the first time i'd seen this movie but it was one that i remembered this film was on monster vision Joe Bob Briggs actually had Linnea Quigley on, if I'm not mistaken, and that's where I noticed the television version on the jacket. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, uh, are we going to talk about Miss Fucking Crotch? Like, <laughs> I don't even know what to. What are you? What are you going to call? So, the, the, apparently, I've seen so many quotes of it. Quote featureless Barbie doll prosthetic, but I've never actually seen the quote upon which it's drawn from. I call it the prosthetic vagina. Linnea quickly plays trash. She's completely naked. And if you look, she has no vaginal cleft. She actually doesn't have pubic hair. Originally, the plan was just that she'd have yeah. a plume of pubic hair, which would kind of get you around the whole mm-hmm. uh, labia minora, majora, mm-hmm. whatever. And yeah. so uh, she basically had to wear a it's like a thong with a rubber piece on it that was glued on to get around censorship, even though it was an R-rated film. So myself as a teenage boy was just kind of like, what is this underwear device that you have just ripped off of yourself? Like, I didn't know what that was that you can just rip off the middle of your underpants. Oh yeah. (laughs) But I also just assumed that she just had a really low placed vagina. And I just couldn't zoom in on my, like I wasn't going to stare at the television that closely. So I was just like, whatever. It's just not high definition enough. Yeah. I've been there. It's just just low place. So I never questioned it. You're watching the static and you're like, is that a nipple on the spice channel? Uh." Correct. And so I just never questioned it. I was just like, all right, it's just a very well-kept vagina, well tucked in there. Which is very antithetical to her character. Yes, the hair up top is very well manicured, but if you truly don't care that much, I mean, I guess it does make sense because she's showing off her vagina so much, so why not? I guess it is in character. I take that back. Did you know that she passed the LAPD uh, written portion of the exam to be a police officer and was like, nah, fuck that. I'm going to show my featureless Barbie doll prosthetic vagina on camera instead. I mean, why wouldn't you? Like, absolutely. I follow her on Instagram. She's delightful, isn't she? 
Absolutely. She's showing the substances that she took in the eighties just on like her face now. <laughs> but yeah, like you know, she's a great lady. I like yeah. her a lot. She said, quote, I like to play tough girls because they're so different from who I am. It's really boring to play good, nice girl. That's too much like my real personality. And she actually went on to talk about like if she was a scream queen from the olden times, she would have just fainted in every movie. Mm. And like you watch this, you watch slime ball or you, you watch sorority babes, the slime ball, Rama and you totally see like she's just a badass broad was she in night of the demons is that one of hers yes, she is yeah okay i remember watching that one and i was just like wait which character are you because all i could remember her from was trash and so i was like bitch who are you <laughs> it, it, it took me forever yeah i almost didn't recognize her you want to talk about mike venturini who played suicide the only reason i bring him up is because he like tom matthews like miguel a nunez jr are friday the 13th alumni Oh, no way. We're not going to talk about how much I hate the Friday the 13th series. So, yeah, go for it. Perfect. So uh, Friday the 13th, part <laughs> yeah. five, he is the guy who kills Roy Burns, special son, which starts the whole series of events. Spoiler alert, where Jason Voorhees isn't in the movie and it's Roy Burns who's killing people under the guise of Jason Voorhees. They're both in the same Friday the 13th? Yeah. Wow. Crazy, how- right? Same casting director, maybe? Maybe. I mean, probably a fan of this film. But yeah, I thought that would blew my mind. How weird. Okay. That scene also coolest fucking zombie thing ever is the first time I'd ever seen a zombie bite through a fucking skull to get to the brain. Yeah. The forehead, no less. Oh, that's such a fucking cool scene. I have a video game that I still play very, very regularly on my Game Boy Advance. It's called Fire Pro Wrestling, which is a very like storied franchise in Japanese pro wrestling. But there's a move you can do where it's literally called biting forehead and you grab the person's head like this and you bite their forehead. And so I have many a time made a zombie that finishing move was to bite someone's forehead until they passed out. That's awesome. It's dope. Uh, I'm a fan. The tar man. I love the fact. And I've always to this day remembered this, that if I ever had to uh, direct like an independent film or something, oh yeah. if you have to put a man in a suit, always hire an actor, not a stunt man. Correct. <laughs> because they hired a fucking mime who's legit as shit like legitimately yeah. he is a puppeteer so he completely understands what he's doing he's part of the henson improv company he was on muppets tonight unhappily ever after greg the bunny he was in monkey bone oh and if you want to know his real horror street cred he played johnny paste and timmy the tooth motherfucker <laughs> I forgot about Greg the Bunny. That was a kick-ass show. Yeah, Alan Troutman, dude, is completely legit. And just like you're saying, you know, a lot, a lot of people make fun of the fact they always bring up RoboCop on the show. But why does why is Weller's performance so fucking good? Because he worked furiously with a mime to get the robot down. Imagine how fucking hokey RoboCop would be if he was just oh, like yeah! ratata, arutadu. So the last thing I want to talk about is Cherry Davis, who does the voice of the half zombie. Do you know what other famous? I'll even give you a hint. What famous bird did she voice in Who Framed Roger Rabbit? Uh, Tweety Bird? Ha 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 ha. Oh, what? Woody Woodpecker. So there you go. That's the trivia. Everybody always like this movie has been reviewed through all hell. But you come to Slashers for the absurd trivia that Jake had to pull out of his ass last minute. There you go. Shall we get into the sleigh by play? Yes. The film starts out 
with I love fake disclaimers. I love it in Blood Diner. I love it in Driller Killer. Well, Driller Killers is just a disclaimer. Yeah, I guess Driller Killer works too. Whatever. The events portrayed in this film are all true. The names <laughs> yeah, are real yeah. and people are real at organizations. Ugh. Mm-hmm. It's hokey, but it's great. I love it so much. It's better than like Blair Witch. I still to this day have not seen Blair Witch. Yeah. I don't I want to watch it. I don't know why. So yeah, it's just been built up too much. It, like if you go into it thinking of it like as a comedy, it's real fun. So I, do you like the Unita medical supply? It's like kind of like Acme almost in the slapstickiness. That's real. I love it, though. Unita. No, that's a real company. I know. But that's what's funny. Oh, God. Like, God damn it. You're not telling me anything I, I don't already know. I just think me. it's fucking hilarious where it's like, hey, yeah, you need a, yeah. uh, you know, you, you need a prosthetic <laughs> vagina. Well, you go to Unita. You need a split dog. Yeah, yes. Right. Jesus. That's a, just oh. an uncomfortable scene. We start <laughs> off July 3rd, 1984 at 530 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time. Mm hmm. We do. And you got Frank training Freddy. Uh, he's clearly playing with the kid. You know, he's taking the, the kid's naivete where the, he's just eager and excited and kind of a chucklehead. And so he's talking about how he thinks there's a skeleton farm in India and how he's talking about all these other things. And I, I just I really think it's super funny. Like I have been that guy who brings in the new hire and just kind of keeps saying shit and they just accept it. I once convinced somebody that the fake nacho cheese that you get at like ball games and like the tray was mm-hmm. cow shit from cows that they fed extra lactose to to make their milk more pure. What? Yes. What? Who would believe that? A dumb person who worked for me. So <laughs> this movie, like, I maybe I got that from the character, Frank, in terms of just like the maliciousness of fucking around. The skeletons coming from India thing, by the way, was real. And they stopped after this movie came out. It's for sure. Dude, look at H.H. Holmes. Like, it was a dirty business when it comes to like getting corpses. Or look at, you know, H.P. Lovecraft's reanimator of the book. Like, dude, it's dark. Like, there was a trade of peddling corpses, which is kind of erotic. Mm-hmm. I'm getting one actually no you can't because they stop right <laughs> so you get the gang introduced they're basically wanting to go pick up freddy when he's done with his shift i mean do we have to go into it basically the three you need to know would be trash suicide and spider who we've already touched on i mean the other names being scuzz is the kid with the mohawk jewel shepherd she was casey she's the one who has the half blue half black mohawk. Say the two the two forgettable chicks uh yeah. like well so uh, she was probably fun- jewel shepherd went to go and write a whole lot for i think was it the new yorker or for rolling stone i don't know and she also voiced characters for the garfield show and she met dan <laughs> o'bannon when she was a stripper so i mean You'd think she'd be the one who would play trash, but I digress. Then you have John Philbin as Chuck. He's the guy who has the uh, the checkered jacket and tie. And then you have Beverly Randolph as Tina, who, I mean, God damn it. Every time I hear the name Tina, I think of the Halloween franchise and I just can't take it. Shall we move on? Tina. (laughs) So basically they're talking about how in 1969 at a Pittsburgh VA hospital, a chemical called 245 trioxin spilled into the morgue and made the bodies twitch. So they go downstairs. Souls alive. Yeah. So Frank clangs on the barrel and says, oh, this is from the Army Corps of Engineers. And which is just delightful. I love <laughs> okay. like hacky shit like that. <laughs> okay. Two things. One, Dan O'Bannon asked for yellow smoke just off. He's like, that's the color I want. I want yellow smoke. Well, you could only get yellow smoke by using sulfur. Right. 
And apparently it smoked out the entire set for like three fucking days. Oh, Jesus. And apparently they're just hacking and coughing and it was horrible. <laughs> and apparently to do the effect to get the uh, the corpse to melt, like, you know, like oh, I love it. So much. It's the reverse. It's oh, yeah. the Indiana Jones. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Which yeah. Is, I love that. Yeah. Oh, explain it to the people who don't know in the cheap seats. Oh, it's the same way they did Hellraiser, where they had Frank uh, essentially come out as you build your corpse out of wax layer by layer, and then you melt it. And so that's how you get this kind of reverse effect or whatever. Anyway, well, that one, they just built it and melted the motherfucker. Exactly, right? Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, the glass was not supposed to break. Oh, shit. The heat was just so immense melting that wax like zombie that it broke the glass. So it just ended up fucking cool. Right on. So then you end up on the West Coast, Best Coast at 4 p.m. Pacific. You find out that there's some general guy. They keep it vague, which I love when people keep shit vague. I don't need his fucking life story. You just know he's a prick because he had lamb chops for lunch. And basically, you know, they're hunting for these canisters and it's a never ending hunt. And boom, within two minutes, you're back to the East Coast and you're moving on to the you know time to kill in the resurrection cemetery yep in louisville kentucky can i ask you a question Mm -hmm. suicide does he remind you of future biff from back to the future 2 yes yes he does to like a weird degree where i'm like why doesn't he just ride away from the zombies on his hoverboard so once it cuts back to frank and freddy who wake up it's pretty hilarious allegedly they spray the Lysol, right? Allegedly, <laughs> Lysol was completely okay with them using this, using their product by name because they liked the implication that their product was so strong it could cover the stench of death. I, I heard that, yes. How fucking red. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and so the first zombie you actually see is, well, aside from the one who's in the barrel, uh, who becomes Tarman, is the half dog, which is panting and whimp- uh, whimpering. Yes. That is a great scene. Oh, God. I love the effort they put into all that. They had the fucking split dogs and the butterflies even. The butterfly is such a quaint effect. Literally, it's just pictures of butterflies from a book that they cut out that they've animated by just pushing through. Like, it's hilarious. Yeah, I know. It's so great. Just those little details are so worth it. And what's what's hilarious is when they beat the half dog to death with the crutch, that's the (laughs) cringiest part of the thing on a clearly fake dog. Much less people being eaten alive. Who gives a shit, right? (laughs) So they at this point, they hear the zombie in the freezer that they had already introduced and they go into the office to hide. Did you notice the fake eye test that's on the wall behind? Did you read what it said? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Bert is a slave driver and a cheap son of a bitch who is going bald to ha ha. Yeah. It's like just putting that much effort into it just makes a set just feel so much more real than if you just slapped a bunch of fucking posters. Like it's it feels lived in, right? Yeah. Absolutely. And what's great, like the little details and stuff in this movie that always catch me, like when Frank he primps himself before talking on a phone where the other person can't see him. It's delightful. <laughs> I didn't even think about that. Yeah, so basically, they call their boss and they're like, hey, Bert, we got a problem. And then it cuts to Trash talking to Spider about how she wants to, you know, how she fantasizes about death and being eaten by old men. And then she strips, quote, Trash is taking off her clothes again. <laughs> and she's dancing on the gr- tomb with flares. And I, I mean, literally, if this is my fetish, D, <laughs> like literally, this is all you need to know. Like if I if my wife ever loses the passion with me, all she has to do is vaguely even reference this scene 
<laughs> Boom. <laughs> Just get whatever those weird ripaway crotch shorts are. I'm all about it's it. Fun. Yes, I'm into it. And a red flat top is really what I'm looking for. Yeah, that is a weird haircut. That is very Wolverine-esque if you look at it. Right. If you made it like white, it could totally fit on the set of Golden Girls. And is that a tattoo on her face or did she just draw on some kind of spider webby? I think she pulled the Gwen Stefani and and walked through the spider webs on that one because it's just drawn on with because when she gets splashed on and she's being eaten alive, you can see it smeared off. Ah, okay. I've analyzed her face a lot because I want to lick it. Then it cuts back to Yanita <laughs> and the cadavers in the fridge. Did you know that the frost on the walls? It's just Christmas tree flocking. No special shit. How quaint, right? Apparently they went through a fucking lot of it too. For sure. But I mean, you know, why reinvent the wheel if it already has it? And here's a great detail that a lot of people don't think about. So the yellow, well, I call them the yellow bastard because he looks like the yellow bastard. Ah! Sister. When he runs past Frank and Freddy, it's because they're already dead. And he's going after Bert, the only person who's alive, to try and eat his brain. Oh, what the fuck? Do you ever think about that? No. I never even noticed. Yeah, because they're the ones who open the door and he runs to Bert. And that's when he gets the pickaxe to the brain and they saw his head off. And then it's like licking the floor and the headless corpse is stumbling around. Oh, it's such a delightful scene. Oh, and that, like the weird voice it has too. Like the... Yeah, because its vocal cords are being sawed through, which is a great little detail. Oh. Cool. Then it cuts 916 Eastern time. You're back at the cemetery and you got suicide talking about nobody understands him. What? You think this is a fucking costume? This is a way of life. Okay. Where does that fucking accent come from? Don't In care. Louisville, Kentucky. That's the point, bro. It's the fact that he fucking sucks and he's a loser, like scum punk. And so many yeah. fucking posers I knew growing up that this was them, man. Like how many kids you knew who had a dead Kennedy shirt who'd never even fucking listen to Jello? Like, come on, bro. Like it's it blows it my so fucking mind. Like to me, if you were to call me a poser, that's worse than calling me a cunt. Like literally, that is like <laughs> the worst thing you could call me. And like that is so much of what suicide is. It is fucking perfect. Uh, his like that scene is so hateable. Yeah, I'm not mad at it. I think it's absolutely perfect. Absolutely, yeah. No, he's a sack of shit. It, yeah, it, it's great. Like it, it evokes, and like, you're rooting for him to die in a great way. He has this delusion of grandeur where he's like sacrificing for them. And it's like, what have you done? Yeah. Like you drove yeah. a car. <laughs> I do want his fucking haircut, though. <laughs> yeah. The uh, the reverse Rufio where instead of red, it's bald. OK, no. But for years after seeing this film, I did want his piercing with the chain from the ear to the lip. I'm not. I was 13 years old. Oh, uh, so there you go. For like three years, I did want that like fucking chain from the ear to my lip. And then you were like, that's hazardous. No. <laughs> yeah, it's like, that's <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Somebody no, sir. Grab that very easily. And what's great is as he's doing this, right? He's like ranting. There is a naked woman rubbing his crotch and he couldn't care less because he has to have a pity party because reasons. It is so perfect. Because, yeah, exactly. Absolutely. That's it's such a despicable display of self. It's so upsetting. And so this is where the friends see Freddy going into the crematorium and then you cut to Ernie's embalming. And dude, the bloating and the bruising effects on that corpse are great. And did you notice when he turns off the machine, the fluid stops moving in it? Like little subtle uh, details that are just super on point in this. Like, it's really well done. And when he's explaining like the rigor mortis and stuff, like I love this scene because it's so like 
accurate. And then it, it has a huge payoff later with Freddy. Mm-hmm. That blood pool makeup last minute and done by Dan O'Bannon himself. No shit. Yes, it wasn't even on that like that that extra in the scene at all when they first started shooting. Dan O'Bannon said, "Hold the fuck up, we need something extra," and did that makeup himself on that big blood pool spot on that guy's stomach. Which that shows you, like this dude was so legit, like he built stuff, like he was very hands on. And you can just look at the set design and stuff for Dark Star, like it speaks for itself. Need I say more? But I digress. So <laughs> this is where they come in with the wheelbarrow with the corpses, and they claim that they are rabid weasels and yes! of course i hear that and i think of weird al's song albuquerque completely uh-huh. tangential but we'll go with it or the punk band the screeching weasels yes there you go right and so ernie is like immediately likable and he even becomes even oh, yeah. more likable despite the fact that he's like a closet nazi in the fact that he's like oh yeah. i'm not gonna burn these animals alive but i'll shoot them like my so, Luger. right like he's like he's nice and like oh i'm not gonna make these animals suffer but like i'm i totally have to shoot them though right and so I think that's hilarious. <laughs> I know. It is great. Ernie's the best. Like he's the best character in this movie. Pretty much. Yeah. I would honestly watch a movie just about him. Like when they do the reveal of the body parts, like great music where it rips his pant leg and he's sitting there like trembling. Like, it's, it's good because it, it's a believable performance. That's comedic. It's not ridiculous in like the sense of like, nobody does that. Like, you know, when people do like Tex Avery eyes, like, oh, when a hot woman walks on set, you're like, no, go back, do it again. (laughs) Oh, oh, my God. Okay. Speaking of the crematorium, that is not what a crematorium looks like. Yeah, for Uh, sure. It's like a kiln. It's like what you put pottery into by comparison. Okay. Well, uh, Will Stout and Dan O'Bannon specifically said, I want it to look like Auschwitz. Like that's that no, 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 no but that's what they said. That's what he, they literally go. I want it to look like Auschwitz, and that's what they had drawn up, and that's what they had put together. And so that looks closer to what the fucking crematoriums and Auschwitz look like than an actual crematorium does. So hey, even better, Ernie. <laughs> like right. And so, <laughs> did you notice that when Frank looks at them and they're burning the toughest thing, which is the heart? Frank says, I could do that. Did you catch that that's a foreshadow to his own ultimate demise? I did not. Yeah, because he says it, and then he ultimately, that's how his character ends up biffing it later on. I also, great bit of character acting there. He takes off his wedding ring and prays. That was his improvisation before climbing in, which that makes that scene so memorable. It's like, oh man, he's confronting the fact that he is going to die a monster and does something oh, about it God. before. I mean, it's very interesting and in talking about the compulsivity of the id, wouldn't you say? Mm-hmm, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, apparently his character was supposed to die a zombie like out in the uh, outside of the cemetery like with everybody out in the streets. I didn't know that. I did not know about him praying before the crematorium, which is crazy. Like, think about it. If everybody's going to die because they dropped the bomb anyway, all none of them matter. But that one matters so much. And it was a throwaway. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Oh, man. So that's where you get the plumes of grain smoke going up and then the lightning cracks. I don't even give a shit that the lightning matches the thunder and it doesn't make sense in terms of the speed of sound and light. I just love it. And then it starts (laughs) to rain and I'm like, oh, yeah. Like that's like spread lube almost longer donger as I'm about to put it in my hand because nobody wants to have sex with me. I'm 13 again. (laughs) 
Oh, Christ. They had so many fucking Los Angeles, goofy-ass California problems trying to film this movie, by the way. Oh, yeah, because it never rains ever? Yes, you motherfuckers. I'm so glad I don't have to deal with your goofy bullshit and that I live in, you know, actual (laughs) America with, you know, plants and things and not in like a desert that has to pump in its own water because that's what they had to do for this movie because they're trying to film in fucking Appalachian technically. (laughs) So, yeah, uh, he said he essentially had to learn the entire like he had to become a plumber and learn the entire like mechanics of rain machines for this fucking movie and so yeah they had to bring grass and plant grass grow grass and make it work for this film isn't that insane as a prissy little vegan boy i also have to say did you know how they make the the fake rain show up on screen uh milk right a little bit of milk and you could yeah. see it in the movie, it, like it definitely you could see where it has it and where it doesn't. And it's it was very interesting when you know those things. And also, if you look at like foreground and background, there are plenty of times where there's like no water in the background at all. And you're just like, all right, well, fuck it, because that's not what I'm supposed to look at. I'm supposed to be looking at a guy eating a brain. Does that make you upset? No, Are you I love upset it. about the milk? Are you upset about the milk? No, fuck no. Are you mad that they put milk in that brain? No. They should just use <laughs> almond milk. Oh, excuse me, almond beverage, because the dairy industry is the like. You want to call me a fucking snowflake? What? What's the matter? You? I can't call almond milk milk, huh? Your mom calls my schlong. Sh- uh, no, no. I was gonna say that it's my sperm juice is called milk, but that's gross. That's gross. <laughs> So Tina goes back to the Unita factory, and this is where you get the tar man. And there's a great scene where she falls through the stairs and yeah. he comes around. And it, what's great is the continuity when they go back to that basement later, that stair is broken. Like it's really good little things like that that I'm sure a lot of people wouldn't even think about. But like just having Spider say, Oh, watch out, is great. Mm-hmm. This is ultimately where suicide gets his fucking head chomped and chomped. Oh my god. Okay. The zombie knows how to work a fucking winch. It's so cool chains. to rip the doors off. Yes, of what the locker. The fuck. It's I awesome. Can't believe it. That terrified me. That actually scared the shit out of me because I was like, when I was young, I was like, what the fuck is it doing using tools and things? This is not supposed to happen. Right? That's one of the things that I love about I Am Legend in both the book and the movie with the Will Smith movie, obviously not Omega Man or the other, but the point being Omega like, Man's awesome. Steve McQueen's the shit. It's good. But my point is like being outsmarted and having like an adversary who is like somewhat intellectual versus just like, I'm going to keep walking into the same wall. You know, I love that little edge. Fair enough. Well, cause like, just like you're saying, like if I'm in a I'm zombie movie shit. and it's night of the living <laughs> dead, all I'm going to do is jump up on the highest thing nearby and it's just going to hey. not climb. It's not coordinated enough. But in mm-hmm. this, they'll just like cut down whatever it is I'm on and I die. Uh, send more paramedics. Yeah. Yeah. Um, send more cops. <laughs> I'm all about that, dude. That's so clever. And you know, there are a few different hardcore songs that are based off that, which I think are fucking great. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's a fuck ton. So when the zombies are rising back at Resurrection Cemetery, have you ever noticed that the one that like the skull that has eyelids that's kind of terrifying? Yes. Have you ever noticed the dowel in its mouth when it opens? 
I have. It's so cute, though. Like, I love it. Like, especially because like, that was one of those Easter eggs things, or not Easter eggs, just like one of the details I found on my own. And then I saw other people, and I had like, like this bullshit sense of camaraderie over the internet like <laughs> 10 years ago. And I was like, oh, see, I'm not alone in this world. But in truth, I'm always alone. <laughs> so, so Bill Stout said that when they showed him that, like, after, you know, during production, he was like, oh, great. Awesome. So that's your, like, your rough production design. Cool. I can't wait until you show me the finished product. And oh, goes, that's got to hurt the soul. <laughs> They're like, oh, no, that's it. He's just like, oh, no. Uh, like, that was the, the one that he was really looking forward to. And they told him that he was like, oh, Jesus fucking Christ. He was, I'm all was about so it. Bad. Some yeah. bad schlock is all I ever need in life to be happy. <laughs> but that's when you get fucking 45 grave party time. One of the best fucking horror book songs ever. So absolutely. I'm born on Halloween. I play that song fucking every Halloween to kick off the day. I'm not kidding. There you go. And this is what the scene that's obviously the music that trash gets eaten to when she falls in the puddle. And it's good because she's complaining about how her skin's burning and she doesn't have shoes. So she can't keep up. So it's, it's an organic thing that she's isolated from the rest of the group. She falls in the mud and it's just such a great vision to see her swarmed. Uh, you don't even need the gore because just the concept, because it's a callback to her earlier, deepest, like sensual desire yeah. and the being careful what you wish for. It works. Oh, no, this isn't her sensual desire. This is her biggest fear. Well, you fantasize about death. Okay, okay. That's what I, I mean. Say. It's this weird sadism. <laughs> I totally understand what you're saying. It's like this blend of both. Hey, she's being ripped apart by a bunch of old men. What? But, but is she? Because she comes back as a fucking blue demon lady with a vagina. Oh. Okay, we'll we'll talk about that when she comes back. So, okay. with I her got fucking questions. forehead brow that's even more mongoloid than my own, yes. I got questions. So, so. so this is where you get the paramedics who go and they test them. And they're like, oh, shit, like you guys are dead. And then they go back to the car and they get eaten. Did you know that some of the zombies on this film made extra money for volunteering to eat calf brains, which Dan O'Bannon did himself because he was like, nah, fuck that. I can't make you do something I wouldn't do myself. That is legitimate a effemate. Yeah, baby. Now that's super fucking cool. I thought that was so awesome. Also, that scene, that explanation of like you, you are obviously alive, like you're talking to us, but you know, your pulse are go. I thought that was such a cool fucking like scene in this movie that just never happens in any of the other zombie films. Like right? it's an actual explanation of death. But obviously you are conscious that I just really appreciate in this movie so much more. Yeah, it's just that extra step to like explain the differences between death and like living. Well, and it's also it's humanizing to them as characters, because think about even characters like Sean's mom and Sean of the Dead. She instantly goes from Barbara to a monster nothing and it's kind of sad but whatever but when freddy is on the floor screaming in agony because rigor mortis is setting in dude mm -hmm. like i feel for that character so much more and it's because he's human all the way up until he's not yep absolutely ah poor freddy yeah it's a bad one so yeah. this is where you ultimately you find out that our new paramedics arrive they get swarmed scuzz is bitten by the half zombie then they drag her in and this is where they do an interrogation with a corpse with its spinal cord kind of gyrating at them in a sensual motion wouldn't you say 
It looks like a penis. Yep. And so basically this is where, <laughs> like we said, she talks about the pain of rotting and everything. And again, it's like one of those things where now Freddie and Frank are aware of the fate that behold, like that's what's happening. Mm-hmm. The only like reprieve they're going to have is the brains of people who are alive. Like, that's really interesting. I do love that line from Ernie. It was like, oh, being dead hurts. Like, yeah. dead hurts. <laughs> so then trash rises and she comes through the fog and she eats this guy who's trying to peddle his recyclables around yeah, yeah, yeah sensual i love it it is actually pretty great it gives me that same feeling of seeing uh michelle pfeiffer as catwoman and batman yes. returns yes uh by the way best batman film i don't give a shit what anybody has to say batman returns by far the best um Oh, you can you can disagree heartily. That's fine. I don't care. Well, <laughs> I just like the first one more. That's fine. That's like just a point of preference because I mean I like Jack Nicholson's Joker, even though he doesn't like physically fit the part. And then you know some of the fight stuff gets a little wacky. And also when you deviate too much from the source material, it's a little bit distracting. But I mean I'm not mad at it. On a rewatch, the original Batman doesn't hold up nearly as much. But if you watch Batman Returns today, it fucking still holds up. It's crazy good. Sorry, we're losing connection with you, Bob. I'm going to have to uh, just do the rest of the show by myself. Because I think you did you just say that you, it doesn't hold up on rewatch? Because I think I watched I'm it last week. The effects. That's all. So anyway, I love everything about that, that movie. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Also, counterpoint. Who did the soundtrack for Batman Returns? Was it not Elfman? It doesn't matter because it's not Prince. Oh, fuck. You're a bastard. Aha. I win <laughs> again. Did you know that Dan O'Bannon voiced the uh, helicopter pilot? Because the guy who showed up, like who's supposed to, just never showed up. I <laughs> didn't know that. Yeah. Uh, okay. So all right. now we're talking about Trash being her sexy ass self in the street. Now she's the weird blue demon thing. Okay. The leader of the other zombies too. Yeah. Okay. What the fuck is that? No idea. Like, okay, so we don't. What the fuck? <laughs> what the fuck is that? I don't get it either because I don't even know how you get to that point. Like, I wish okay, that they so- had like shown like that she had taken a drug or done something to explain some kind, or like even had a seance. Like maybe when she's dancing on the tomb, if she was saying some kind of incantation or something. But so the you fact get that what I'm saying, oh like, yeah, it makes no she sense. Some weird, special, crazy monster thing, and everybody else is just a reanimated corpse. Because in the commentary, Bannon and Stout talk like Stout is like, yeah, I did the makeup on that piece, and like Dan O'Bannon is like, yeah, I told her that when she attacks this guy, she has to use her chin and try to chin him to death because that's the way she's gonna have to place the mouth on him as with her chin but they don't explain why they created those pieces of prosthetic for her face yeah it makes no sense it like she has this weird like zool hotness going on uh i'm all about it but it just it doesn't make any sense with the rest of the movie because the rest of the movie is so like real by comparison you know you're dealing with real flawed characters who are you know aware of zombies who are just like working a shitty job like they're way more human than your general people but then at the same point there's just like tether to the nether 
Yeah, and then she's just like a supernatural thing that just is there for like a little bit. Like, yeah, what the fuck? Uh, good. At least I'm not crazy. Like, at least I'm not the only one who just didn't understand where the fuck that came from. I'm, I'm not upset. Yeah, for sure. Because she's still hot. Like, it doesn't matter. She's got weird boobs, but they're not weird. Don't don't say, a, uh, don't say no, things no, we can't no, take no, back. But she's got a veiny neck that looks like fat bastard with the vagina neck in that horrible oh. third gold member film. I can, I can feel that. Yeah, it's veiny or it's like foldy, flappy. You want to talk about bad titties? You should watch 13 Ghosts with the <laughs> sliced up ghost titties. Not good. Weird thing. Never saw that movie. I was too young when it came out. Oh, it's so, delightful. Yeah. There's I need some to good watch. shit in it. Like a lot of people kind of just like dismiss it, but it's fun. I've heard it's great. I don't know why. Anyway. So then Freddie's trying to eat Tina and this basically goes on a little bit too long in my opinion, but they have to fill it, you know, in terms of time because it's basically... This movie's on a fucking tight 90, I feel like. Like, this yeah. movie... Yeah. Exactly 91 minutes. So, I mean, it's oh, not no like... Nice. It's not too long. It's just like you want something more than just A to B. I guess is my point. Because he keeps trying to get Tina. Frank escapes, and that's when he goes and burns himself. They throw the acid in his face. Yeah. I guess I wish that there was more play between him and Ernie as opposed to just him and Tina. Mm, 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 mm. This movie taught me what awkward Gia is, so... <laughs> <laughs> I do love him getting those fucking acid in the eyeballs. Like, that's so cool. Yeah, he looks like the original Emperor, if you've ever seen the original cut of Empire Strikes Back. Oh, with the monkey? Yep. Or <laughs> Which they reference. Everybody is like, talks all this shit about how the Last Jedi or what is it, Riot of Skywalker, how they like bastardize the source material. It's like, oh, wait, you mean they have a character who's a chimpanzee who fixes his helmet? It's almost like it's a nod to the original vision of the Emperor. Huh. <laughs> I might think Star Wars is stupid as shit, but at least I know about it. That just... <laughs> I mean, Star Wars isn't even the best of sci-fi has to offer, so whatever. Have you ever anyway. heard of Battlestar Galactica? Fuck twins. <laughs> Tina. And then so you get Bert knocking off the tar man's head. That's pretty dope. <laughs> Fuck, that's awesome. Like, ah, god damn it. That thing just fucking flies. And it's made even better when you realize it's an extra from the Timmy the Tooth franchise. <laughs> I barely remember that. and I had totally forgotten it existed until you just brought it up. And now my brain is kind of like shaking around like a fucking paint shaker. Like, yeah, I hadn't remembered it until I looked up the guy and I was like, oh, shit, I don't know what that is. Mm -hmm. So I love the fact that, you know, you have Tina and Ernie hiding up in the rafters or I guess the attic, and they knock over the, the ladder, and even a blind zombie is smart enough to put up a ladder. Uh, I love that he is hitting it so hard, he's conscious of the fact that he breaks his hand off. I yeah. love the continuity yeah. that only one hand comes through, so you don't actually see you know any uh -huh. continuity errors. And then the subtlety of Ernie being like, basically, he's going to shoot her in the head to put her out of her misery. Mm -hmm. It's a pretty legit Nazi, I gotta say. Yeah! <laughs> That is one good ass Nazi. Like, God, that's probably the best fucking part of the ending of this film is just the nihilism. And uh, Ernie's ending is the best part of this. Like, it's just so fucking good. The one song I feel a little bit upset they didn't get for this film would be 99 Red Balloons for <laughs> the atomic bomb dropping. But I get why they didn't do that. <laughs> I need your brain. 
Prince. Sorry. It's just, I just love, like, that is also a very interesting thing that I like that they did was just that weird kind of slow-mo stop. The, yeah, the moment in time, like, where were you when the whistle blew and the bomb dropped kind of thing? I really liked that. I thought that was an interesting touch. I thought At that was 501 a.m. Mm. The statistics they give, it's only 20 square blocks, less than 4,000 dead. And then aside from the, they say that the rain is helping, though there are some notes of burning skin. Yeah. Did you like that stop motion animation of the fucking nuke being put into the tank? Which, by the way, <laughs> who, who shoots a nuke from a tank? But okay. Yeah. It's cute, though. Mm-hmm. And I love the little whistle. That's fun. Yeah, absolutely. I don't think that there's any question, uh, but on the show we have to ask, and I posit the question, uh, is it a classic, a tragic, or a tragic? This is the best zombie film. Like, it's, it's, I tell people it's the best zombie film. Like, I don't like any other ones more. Yeah, I, I really love showing people this movie. And I, that's, I think I've probably seen this movie more than Dead Alive. And also, I think one of the things why I would kind of give it the edge now that I'm saying it out loud is the fact that it's accessible to everyone. Mm-hmm. I could show, mm-hmm. I have watched this movie with a nerd who looks like the kid Chuck. I've watched this movie with a chick who I wish looked like trash. Am I right? <laughs> hey, hey. But oh, my yeah. point being, like, Anybody can watch this and go, oh, I know that kid from high school. Like it borders on like the level of interconnectivity that a John Hughes film has mm-hmm, versus mm-hmm. Dead Alive or you know, some of the other things are a little bit more alienating in how niche they Absolutely. are. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Dead Alive can definitely put somebody off really easily. Like that that's just so much gore. Like it's literally one of the most exploitative like gore films out there. Oh yeah, you're talking about a world record of gallons of fake blood and a zombie toddler that rips open a woman's face. So yeah, I could totally see how that's not a Everybody's cup of tea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I intentionally try to show this film to as many people as possible because so many people don't know about this fucking movie. Yeah, or they think it's like something that it's not. Like, oh, I mean, that's like the sequel to Night of the Living Dead. And I'm like, uh, not really at all. And that's the fucking problem is because the, the title is a sequel. Like, that's what exactly. it is. The title is a sequel. And so it's so hard to suggest it to people with Without them just looking at it with like a snide, you know, turn of face. Yeah. And I think that if you were expecting a black and white shambling zombie movie, you could, I could totally see how this would completely alienate you and be like, wait, what? Like, why is Excuse that chick's me? prosthetic vagina? And who's got spiky hair? And what? That's my favorite part is whatever. <laughs> that's <laughs> that's when shit hits the fan for people is trash fucking going full nude, like full frontal. People just go, wait a second. <laughs> that's pulling the fucking brakes on. I love that. And I love it's always a great juxtaposition because the people in the movie are like, Oh, she's at it again versus people who like <laughs> you see it. And it's just like, you know, that, uh, the meme with the little blonde guy who like blinks a bunch. Like that's the exact <laughs> reaction. My friends have had where they're like, wait, hold on. What just happened? Fucking what? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. No. And also because this was such a more easy to access, like literally easy to get a hold of film oh, yeah. than Dead Alive was. Like Dead Alive, now that you know you can get the streaming, yeah. Before this, this is fucking fine. This is a blockbuster at least. Yeah, exactly. So, it was it was a treat. Yes. So big Italian Bob. I think <laughs> it's time for you to pedal your shit. All right, baby, let's do this thing. So I am from the No Redeeming Qualities podcast. Like I said, we are a 
comedy duo talking shit ups type of podcast. Like if you like the old school shit, like uh, Stern. Oh God, I hate fucking saying that, but you get my deal. What gets you in the vein? I mean, you're not like anticipating Martha Stewart for Christ's sake. Yeah, no, it's just filthy comedy stuff. Like we bring on artists and comedians and like, you know, music groups and that kind of shit. We did do, we won an award for an audio drama we did called Wheels of Justice. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Like everybody loves true crime now, and true crime is such a big fucking deal that you can create a true crime podcast within days, shoot up to the top of fucking podcast charts, uh-huh. like above everybody else. And that bugs us so much that we said, you know what? Fuck this. We will, we will make our own true crime story right now. And we made a satire of a true crime story. I mean, an audio drama where somebody pushed the governor of Texas down the stairs in his wheelchair. Holy shit. And we, and we have to discover who did it. <laughs> I'm so, all about this. Yes. It is very uh, self-deprecating and we get the shit beat out of ourselves by a lot of people in wheelchairs the entire time. So uh, check it out. That's called wheels of justice. That's on our uh, stream and everything. So no redeeming qualities. You can find us on iTunes and every place you can get fucking podcast and nrqpodcast.com anarchy podcast on instagram all of that shit awesome so bum i'd like to say goodbye on your behalf on my behalf on behalf of everybody on behalf of the textile workers in this country out of work who got four or five kids and can't pay their wages can't buy food hard times are when auto workers are out of work and they tell them go home sorry i was going into dusty Rhodes's hard times <laughs> promo because i've listened to it a thousand times during the pandemic as i'm suffering hard times but we'd like to thank you all sincerely and earnestly for your patronage your support whether it's monetary or just auditory we love you all thank you stay safe and i guess in the words of uh abraham lincoln be excellent to each other and party on dudes slash it up oh and also uh my name is jake uh, ronnie you uh, just go out there and do something you love and remember i'll work no flower play mix jack adult boy this is where you do the fart sound <laughs> oh <laughs> That was a fun episode, and I hope you liked it a lot. Go check out No Redeeming Qualities. Give them your support. Now, on to more pressing matters. We have a hidden track by Ill Fortune this evening, this morning, this afternoon, whenever you're listening to this, whenever I'm invading your earbuds and your mental health. Ill Fortune's pretty dope. I gotta say, everything I've listened to, he sent me six songs very politely, very promptly, like the utmost professionalism, and all of the songs are really fun. It's just nice to hear like something fun and cheeky and horror and self-deprecating. I mean, it's right in my jams, and I really hope you enjoy it. For this episode, we chose the song Dark Side Sonata, and I'm betting you're wondering why out of the six songs I chose this one, because this one specifically uses the word goon, and I was like, oh, well, I can't not, because our fans are the mutant goons from beyond, so please, mutant goons from beyond, let's rally together and support Ill Fortune. Uh, you can find him at Ill Fortune M-U-S-I-C k.com get it music i dig it also on facebook.com slash ill fortune music 218 then you have the youtube the bloodshot is his user tag and you can find him on instagram at ill fortune music so yeah check out this song let him know how you found him and please do enjoy dark side sonata by ill fortune (laughs) 
I'm the troublemaking omen who was kicked out of school. My fucking brain is broken off my lip drool, dripped in a pool. I'm a no one, and so no one gives a shit if I'm cool. Who would have known that I'd be known for killing kids like a jewel? Tonight's the perfect night to walk in the park. I'ma kill a ninja with the way I hide from y'all in the dark. Jump back the shadow, then I leave a knife installed in your heart. You find me at the very top of the diabolical chart. The creepy stoner kid lurking beneath the surface. I pull you through the dirt by your feet, now you're feeling nervous. My goons will eat the dermis, your bones will feed the furnace. I can let you walk away, but now that would defeat the purpose. I'm glad to be your service. I'm ridding the world of pieces of shit. And you and I can both agree they shouldn't even exist. I break the neck of a shitty father that's beating his kids and suffocate the junky mother. What's your reason to live? I love murder, I love death. That rotting smell upon your breath. I love the flavor of boiling blood. I drain your body in the tub. Ain't nothing normal, ain't no one sane. We've all got voices in our brain. You may think what I speak is untrue. Call me a freak, but I'm you. You best hit the flow when I kick the dough Looking like a Sith Lord Black hood with a freaking sword I torture you for kicks till I'm sick of it getting bored Quickly give your throat the slit and then dip to the liquor stone Stab your girlfriend in the neck while you're making out with a kissing I date a lot of drugs, now my brain is out of commission Trapped inside my head and there's no way out of submission There'd be a better chance of me breaking out of a prison None of my fans are women cause I kidnap and hide on my groupies And other rappers say I kill it, they're silently boomy But I don't need validation from that side of the new scene We underground like the Goonies with no diamonds of rupees, they wanna sign me cause I'm bringing something dope, little do they know that I'm a wicked juggalo, but I ain't piggyback and I'm set to become the GOAT, I would never sign to you, I'd rather slit your fucking throat, I love murder, I love death, that rotten smell upon your breath, I love the flavor of boiling blood, I drain your body in the tub, ain't nothing normal, ain't no one sane, we've all got voices in our brain, you may think what I speak is untrue, but I'm you